Hey guys, welcome back to the Bark Side of the Moon podcast. In today's episode, myself and Anne continue on with our new series of episodes all about puppies by speaking about what we should be thinking about and doing before our new puppy even comes home. We talk about how to pick your new puppy, where to get your new puppy from, what stuff you should buy, and much more. So we hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Hi. How are you? you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) All good. All good. So we're we're into episode two of our puppy series here. We said we'd come back and we said that the next topic is all about how to choose your puppy and before um, your puppy even comes home. So that's what we're going to chat about today. Um, So before puppy comes home, why is it so important uh, then to get help and support when you are in that kind of discussion and consideration phase? Well, the biggest benefit to us, like, you know, you and me and all of the other dog pros out there would be if people really carefully considered um, getting a dog or getting any pet, really. Um, But we're here to talk about dogs, I think. And, you know, really put some thought into that. And I know sometimes a dog can kind of, you know, choose you and kind of fall into your lap and and you have the dog and then we're backpedaling from there. Mm -hmm. But if I think if we spent a little bit more time thinking about it and discussing it and using actual evidence based and reliable resources for that advice, um, I think we would probably see a lot less kind of suffering later on and I think we would Mm. uh, reduce the number of dogs who become unwanted or unmanageable Mm -hmm. um, as they come into adolescence or as they're as they are adolescent Mm. Um, and I think we would be I think everybody would actually benefit from it a whole lot more so the big advice here would be that you would talk to a professional dog trainer who is um working within this field and has good kind of experience and is appropriately qualified and all those sorts of things. And if anybody Mm -hmm. wants a list of those people, we can supply that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can obviously come and talk to Aniad or message us or email us or whatever. Um, And we will always kind of play devil's advocate, I think, because I think what can happen is, is you get a bit lost in -hmm. the idea and you get a little bit tunnel visioned and you remember a dog that you knew as a child, for example. So, you know, I once met an Irish setter or there was a Cairn Terrier that lived down the road from us or whatever it is. And then, you know, and then we're tunnel visioned and that's the dog that we want. And so a lot of it tends to come from that side. So we're always trying to fit the dog into our lives rather than considering, well, what dog might fit with us? What might actually work with us rather than trying to kind of, you know, jam a, a round, what is this, a square peg into a round hole kind of thing <laughs> um, and, and take a little bit of time and I suppose a little bit of objectivity. So I think it's a good idea to talk to somebody who maybe isn't in your life and doesn't know you kind of on a personal basis. So there's a little bit of objectivity and I'll always play devil's advocate and I'll always be like, well, you know, have you considered that they that this can be a tendency or can, have you considered mm. that these might be requirements or you know those sorts of things so you know it, it's not being negative it's actually going well you know sometimes it's very difficult to see beyond the idea you have imagined for yourself yeah. in this life with this dog mm-hmm. and and I don't think it always lives up to those expectations I suppose mm. and the kind of the gap between what you had hoped and, and the reality can sometimes be just too great and can lead to that dog becoming unwanted or unmanageable in that life and then everybody mm. suffers it's not just the dog's welfare that suffers the family the human family um, suffers as well so mm. and of course that's what we want to avoid so really what we're talking about is we'd love people to be as proactive as they possibly can get the right advice because we know that there's a ton of advice out there like I mean you can google this stuff but whether you get actual valid and reliable and evidence-based guidance is you know a little bit of a crapshoot really (laughs) and also who's putting that up and why they're putting that information up Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like anything it's so it's so difficult it's so difficult when you when you uh consult your uncle Google and uh, <laughs> they give you all the things uh, that get the most clicks first, you know, yeah. so it, it, it's it's really it's a total minefield. And it's mm-hmm. it's so difficult even for um, the rescue I worked for years mm-hmm. ago. Um, we would spend a lot of time trying to explain to people, trying not to go on the dog's looks purely, yeah. you know, but then at the same time would send them down to the big viewing corridor that was specifically oh, designed. <laughs> 
to show you yes. the, the dogs, uh, you yeah. know. Uh, and so it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's you would get the odd person that would just come in and say to us, oh, you, you, you know. I'll go by you, you know, this yeah. is my situation. And, and we'd be like, oh, my God, these people are amazing. Do you know what I mean? But like most of the time, no, you would get. I remember these guys came in one time and they were big bikers. <laughs> and um, I thought, they're, you know, you know, they're probably going to look for like a, you know, Rottweiler or they kind of, you know, they're, you know manny dogs or whatever, you know. And they actually ended up, I think it was like um, a Shih Tzu or something cross. Oh. And it was really cute, nice. you know, but um, yeah. in general, you can kind of have a guess, especially like you said earlier, if they come and they, oh, I grew up with a collie or, right. you know, yeah. my dad bred labs or, mm-hmm. you know, my uncle raised greyhounds and you're like, OK, and that's that's normal. And then, of course, like we said in, in previous episodes, you know, uh, thanks to to paint, uh, you know, you had the Dulux and uh, people still right. call them Dulux yes. dogs. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the Andrex puppy rather mm-hmm. than the lab, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know, Toto, obviously in The Wizard of Oz, if you want to go way oh, back, yeah, you mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. suddenly that there's... that far back, Graham. Now, it's back good, in your box it's there, good bit back. It's, it's a good <laughs> bit back. Some of that film's black and white. It's good big oh, back, I know. you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. So it's really hard and it's even... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think it's even harder now, sure. Like I, I yeah, spoke I about so. it on a, on a previous episode yeah. that I, I liked the look of the Boston Terrier and that's why I fell asleep every night with that picture open. And those <laughs> picture books, there's more of them now than, yeah. than ever as well. And you've got the internet and yeah. those kind of cute, funny videos on YouTube. Yes. So, yeah, and I think dogs are, are presented, you know, the higher, the, the expectations that are thrust upon dogs are even higher and higher via that kind of media, you know, um, yeah. and we're constantly bombarded. So dogs, stories about dogs are generally presented very positively. So dogs are presented as an animal that is wholly beneficial for humans. And, you know, the data doesn't bear that out. And everybody gets very annoyed at me when I point this out, mm-hmm. that actually the data that looks at uh, whether dogs are beneficial for humans or not is really mixed, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, God, you've just lost all of your listeners now to your podcast because everybody gets <laughs> really annoyed at me when I say that uh, no, um, this but, is why we're doing this Anne. yeah but and and you know and one of and actually it's really interesting because one of the big things that's behind this surge in COVID dogs was this assumption that dogs were going to be able to combat loneliness and we're going mm-hmm. to be able to bolster our mental health and mm-hmm. we're going to provide children with a I suppose project or mm-hmm. some you know redirection or whatever so they had something yeah. to do and really the evidence on all of that and I spent quite a bit of time collecting you know looking at a lot of the mm-hmm. research in this area over COVID just so I could say these sorts of things of course <laughs> but really the evidence on that is really really mixed and um, we're you know even now we have a lot of retrospective work that's looking back on on the effects that um that getting a dog over that period uh, during lockdowns and things like that um actually had on people's mental health mm. and had on you know y- you know people's kind of performance and and their attitude and all those sorts of things and really it's incredibly mixed mm. um in- like incredibly that. so and what's interesting is is there's next to no researcher not next to not none but there's very little research certainly relatively speaking on actually looking at the welfare of companion dogs and pet dogs and that's Mm. because we assume they're having a good time and we're providing for them and we assume that the lifestyle we provide for them is appropriate Mm. and again the data may not bear that out and Mm -hmm. while we certainly would like to think that and we'd like to think very highly of how well we're looking after our dogs um you know that's not always the case and we we have lots of this there's you know in lots of jurisdictions there's you know a real kind of rehoming crisis and uh, being reported yeah. all over the place for example so this sort of um how dogs benefit us what's referred to in marketing terms as the pet effect and it is mm-hmm. a marketing term mm-hmm. um so it's designed to sell so it's, <laughs> it's uh, organizations <laughs> like pharmaceutical companies yeah. uh, and big pet production uh, pet care production companies and food mm-hmm. production companies have really pushed this notion mm-hmm. uh, because obviously they need us to buy get pets um, <laughs> to justify their existence um, but um, this entire notion this t- entire notion of this pet effect is very one-sided and we see that because we see how um, disposable those animals were now that we've gone back to work now that mm-hmm. we've the children have gone back to school now that we you know we have gone back to kind of more normal life I know it's not mm-hmm. completely back but for the most part you know mm-hmm. 
those animals are disposable and they're the first thing to go um and and we're in a kind of a pending welfare crisis as as a result of that that disposability yeah. and so i'm very careful to promote this notion that dogs are beneficial first this kind of uniform idea that dogs are beneficial first because actually i the question i we i should be asking instead is you know what can you offer a dog rather than yeah. what yeah. dog should I get I'm going to say well what dog what can you actually offer that dog what lifestyle can you offer them and we you know to start looking at like that and I'm not saying that dogs are bad for people that's not I'm saying obviously I love dogs and I love dogs and people I love that relationship and I love Mm. those interactions and it's it's fascinating and I I love it and I have it Uh, and Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite things in my entire life Mm. uh, is my relationship with my dog and my dog and also the reason I do my job, like if I didn't have to eat um, food and pay bills, mm. I would do my job. I would still continue to do my job because I absolutely relish working within those relationships and, and mm. building those relationships between pe- other people and their dogs yeah. and, and developing relationships with those dogs as well. So some of the, some of the dogs I work with, I've known since they were babies and I've known yeah. the people since the, they had puppies that not that they had puppies, but they had, you know what I mean? They got yeah, their yeah. puppy. <laughs> I do <laughs> They're know not what you puppy. mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and that's just the uh, just the luckiest person to be able to do that as a job. And mm. like that, that's like to that's do what you job. love. Yeah, like it is, it's, it's like ridiculous that that's an actual job. It's like it's not cool. even work. Yeah. Um, you know, or not to me anyway. I love it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I recognise that the majority of the people I work with, um are not experiencing those benefits mm. um, and are in a very stressful place in relation to their dog because their dog may be exhibiting behaviours of concern mm. um, and that causes a lot of stress. And, I mean, if the dogs are exhibiting behaviours of concern, their welfare is compromised as well, but yeah, the of welfare course. of those people is compromised mm. as well um, because this is going on and uh, I'm very, very careful about that. So I think it's important, you know, to recognise that, yeah, dogs can offer benefits, but actually this is not a one-sided thing. They mm. cannot just be expected to come into our lives and shine upon us mm-hmm. and uh, and and everything will be better mm-hmm. um you know uh, instead we have to there, there's quite a bit of work to do and there's quite a bit of preparation and whatever you think you're prepared for going in you're <laughs> you're not <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think it's and like even even somebody like me or you Graham I mean we we, we know all the things and we say all the things and then oh, when God. we get a new dog it's like oh Jesus no some things what have we done not all the things <laughs> but Jesus. I mean we're we're yeah. talking about it all the time you know and having to yeah. live it is I suppose is a very different it uh, it's a whole new level of yeah challenge <laughs> absolutely it's all about expectations like all the time yeah kind of yeah, managing yeah. those you know yeah, absolutely. It's very difficult. And, you know, and the thing is, is that we're bombarded with that culturally. Sorry, that was the point, because why would I say five words when I could get 10,000 in? But we're bombarded with that culturally, that constantly dogs are presented in a, you know, in an unrealistic way. And I mean, we yeah. say things like, oh, dogs are the only animal that love them, love us more than themselves. I mean, just awful stuff like that. <laughs> Um, you know, and you know me, I'm not really one for woo or sappy stuff or anything like that. Really? It's not, yeah, <laughs> it's not really my thing. Uh, uh, I'm just, you know, mildly irked by it. Uh, but that's why, because I mm. go, well, God, if we actually if we actually think this through, the logical kind of conclusion to that, you know, is, is those expectations on dogs are just really crazy 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 stuff when they're dogs and they're amazing and fascinating creatures in absolutely every way and like that i've devoted my entire life um to them um and loving them and learning about them and working with them uh but at the same time i recognize that they you know are they can't be expected to fulfill some of these roles that we that we think they should do and then of course yeah and of course then when they don't because they can't uh, Mm. they have a really really long fall (laughs) from grace you know and it's a spectacular thing and it's interesting because media coverage because of course that kind of um informs our cultural attitudes to these things you can either there's only extremes dogs are only ever presented in extremes as in doing amazing things and wonderful things and all these human-like qualities and look what this science says today about you know word learning or they process things in a similar part of the brain as we do or whatever Uh, and you know the 
the media reporting of science is absolutely atrocious and doesn't say any of those things. Um, but at the same time, you have that extreme where dogs are, you know, literally saving people from burning buildings. Um, and then you have the other extreme that where you have, you know, this devil dog that viciously mauled this, you know, child or whatever, or yeah. mauled this other dog or mauled this cat or, or whatever. And so these absolute extremes you know yeah. everything is sensationalized that's and polarized right yeah yeah it, it, absolutely yeah. and it is and it is and we were just talking about that that that's actually yeah. such a product of social media and mm. it, it's allowed it, it to really become well. exaggerated mm-hmm. yeah yeah. because of the way algorithms work i suppose yeah. um and it's become such it's become so much more kind of concentrated as a result mm. but in in this case there are innocent bystanders to this yeah. and that is people and their dogs people and mm. their pets um are negatively affected by this and it's just it's such an uphill battle to yeah. get that information out there so like as an example there was a rescue advertising a dog recently that i saw and um this dog had made its way to rescue because it had been demonstrating resource guarding behaviors of concern in the house mm-hmm. and the fosters apparently had wrote this note about the dog and that what they're doing is they were taking toys off the dog all the time now and now he lets them take toys off them all the time and that got and because this was a cute dog that was uh being advertised it got a huge number of shares and of course there was a story about this dog and he needed a home and all these sorts of things and i just felt that that information is you know dangerous in terms Mm. of modeling what we would like people to do with their dogs if they're in any situation actually don't do any of that stuff and so i did a whole thing a series of posts about resource guarding prevention and stuff like that but i but but in no way am I able to reach the same number of people. No. You know, and it's I feel... It's a constant battle, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and, and that's just one example. I mean, there's thousands mm. of examples of, of course, that. Of course, yes. You know, I would it. never yeah. use um, my business to, you know, come out and specifically say, you know, about some other organization or some other mm. individual or anything yeah, like that. Um, but would try and put educational stuff as, as in do this rather than saying don't do these things yeah. or vilify it's the best way these to try, people. But it's sure. Very hard to reach um, the same. But like exactly. It. It's mm. like I'm just it's just you're just chasing it, you know, mm. in terms of of, of uh, trying to get the information out there. But yeah. I will just say don't take stuff off dogs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All yeah. of that to do say not. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. don't do those things. Follow on the Ed on on uh, yeah, 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 Facebook yeah, yeah. and Instagram. Yeah, no, just even if you don't do that, just don't don't be grabbing stuff off dogs. Even just yeah. that much. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I'll great. Yeah, All the it. dogs listening are in the background yes, are going, yes, thanks. They're like, yeah, for the love. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean that's I suppose that's the cultural war we're in, I suppose. Yeah. Is to try yeah. and and get the real and objective um information out there. You still won't be fully prepared, but at least it won't be so um, you know, kind of cartoon like, you know, mm-hmm. that dogs are real um feeling animals and they're going to act like dogs and a lot of the stuff that dogs do that's a normal part of their world mm. is actually in direct clash with what we would like yeah, <laughs> to be I done and what we would like to have happen um and that obviously that can cause problems then between um humans and dogs then as they yeah, go forward course, living together naturally yeah so i suppose the big thing there is to lower your expectations <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and develop a real understanding about what dog behavior is and what it will do and what will it will be like yeah. in your setup and yeah. that needs to be done you know before you're you're you've actually got puppy home or before Preferably, you've chosen a dog be done way yeah before you bring one home. way before yeah, yeah. and i mean you'll still everyone. be learning and you'll still be caught short but at yeah. least you will have some um, support in place some guidance in place and yes you can always contact annie ed for those questions yeah absolutely of course yeah, yeah always i'll do mm. anything to help people at that stage rather than even i mean even the calls and emails and messages and things that we get like from a person who's got a 10 week old puppy even at that yeah, age yeah, absolutely you know, the puppy is only maybe home two weeks or one week mm. and you know already i can see major red flags and like you know, these people have signed up for real life now of hardship and this dog's welfare mm-hmm. is, is possibly going to be compromised and these mm-hmm. people's welfare is going to, is possibly going to be compromised and we have a lot of work to get back to a point where this is going to work for everybody. So, yeah. you know, if we could get just in before that and it might sound like we're saying, no, don't do that. No, don't do this. But it's yeah. just to try, you know, just, I'll always say, I'll always say to the person, I'm just going to play devil, devil's advocate now. Is that okay? <laughs> and they'll be like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I hit it hit them with it and they're like oh geez <laughs> yeah well look 
you know, it's it, it's it's always so. We said it uh, like countless times on on the podcast before. It's like it, it doesn't mean whatever stage you're at. Always ask for help, but it's yeah. obviously the earlier the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for this, and I think it would be it would help because so many people do struggle with it, and they, it's a lot of noise. And you know, how do I pick God? How am I going to pick? They're they're mm-hmm. really unsure, and yeah. other people are picking their dog for them. Really, you know. Yes. So th- in this way, they would actually have. Um, total ownership over it and be able, if you're if they're giving their lifestyle and details to you or someone similar than that mm-hmm. then you'd be able to um, steer them in a better direction for sure yeah. you know so yeah. okay well after all of that then <laughs> I'm sorry you asked <laughs> so I'm getting a puppy so how do I pick which puppy is the right one for me then okay so like I said just there actually that the first thing I'll say to you is instead of going, what puppy is right for me? Instead, list out the things, what can I offer a dog? Mm -hmm. So what's the reality of that? And, uh, you know, that might be how long you work, how much free time you have. And the thing is, is that, yes, people who work have dogs and can have dogs. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but really for a young dog, particularly a young dog, so before behavioral maturity, so a dog, you know, of, when you're counting their age in, in weeks or months particularly, but even a dog that's under kind of two, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even under two and a half, um, those dogs need, they, we, we have this idea that they need all of this these interactions with people. What they actually need mm-hmm. is, they actually need for human life, like family life, to go on in the background and the dog is just being in that. That's mm-hmm. actually what they need. So they actually need that sort of exposure, which is very passive, and mm-hmm. um, we have it in this idea that everything we have to do in terms of socialization exposure or whatever yeah. you want to call it to dogs is, is all very contrived and structured and it must be you know in for, in this box you know happening know. in this kind of box whereas actually it just mm-hmm. needs to be very passive and kind of just happening around the dog yeah um, just so yeah. Yeah, yeah so like if you work out of the house even if it's three days a week you work out of the house for like four six eight hours that dog isn't getting that and actually mm. they need that so, you know, I, I, I find it terribly difficult to get good results that works for that person or works for that family when the when the, the, the main carers, the primary caregivers are, are absent. And I don't believe that a dog walker or a daycare is a, a is an appropriate substitute no. uh, for the for the most part. And I think we've no. talked about that before. I won't go yeah, into yeah. that again. Yeah. Open up that can of worms again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, so, you know, so I think those are the things to consider. Um, it's more what it's more from that side. What can I offer a dog? And I'll, I'll say to people like families, I'll say, do you want another toddler? Because that's what this is, oh, you yeah. know, particularly all the time. Yeah. 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 Did you want another toddler? Is that what yeah. you were going and some for? Some people are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've got like um, seven but, kids and they want to Like, this is the right home for this puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and I think. You know, we have to be careful with um, breed generalizations and type generalizations. Yeah. But uh, so because the, the 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 data really tells us, and I know I always come back to this, but I am a kind of, you know, that that's where a lot of this is going to come from. But we, we'll talk about personal experiences as well. But um, the research right now on behavioral genetics is very young. The entire field is very, very young. But mm-hmm. what we're seeing is is that we're certainly seeing that there is relatively high levels of heritability for certain traits mm-hmm. um and so that means that there is some predictability yeah for certain traits but that breed constructs modern breed constructs which are a very recent thing mm-hmm. um are probably not as predictable uh, in terms of um knowing that this breed always does these things uh, in this way and then then is probably thought so there's a lot of variation within a breed for example Mm. and what we're consistently seeing is is that actually looking at the behavioral tendencies of related dogs so the mom and the dad and the cousins Mm -hmm. and the aunties and the you know if there's previous siblings and things like that that actually gives you far more information and is a far more predictable thing um and i I know that's not relevant to lots of dogs lots of people will get a dog where they don't know anything about the animal's history and they don't know anything about its genetic history or its Mm -hmm. early rearing or anything like that they might get a dog at two for example um of unknown kind of breed or type but we do have to look at the historic kind of behavioral tendencies that have been selected for because some of those are likely still to be very present and so people might get an active type dog Mm -hmm. um and then realize oh there's actually a ton of stuff that I, I need to provide for this dog. And yeah. 
that, that you know when they get a, the, the puppy as a young dog they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to um provide that animal the the intense exercise until it's mature for example mm-hmm. and i suppose the thing is is not not just saying what can i offer a dog but also what sort of pet life is going to be sufficient for this dog yeah, yeah. um you know it's really, really difficult to do this because most pet owners need dogs that are kind of just happy to laze about. Oh, yeah. Not super mad active, don't experience real swings of arousal, so get wound up really easily. Um, mm-hmm. They don't lose their heads when they see other dogs. They can spend mm-hmm. time comfortably alone. They're super tolerant of human behavior. They're not particularly guardy about items, not particularly this, this sensitive. It's an easy dog being to handled. find, right? Oh yeah, they you know they have kind of manageable coats. They're kind of a manageable size, and they're cute. They have to look cute too because we know they have that to look you know, cute. I know the little we, the lit well the yeah. little bit of work that's been done on adopter behavior has mm. shown that people like you say are going to choose dogs based on looks oh, yeah. um, and based on some cultural re- relevance. So you know, dog from movies like you said, or a dog mm-hmm. that they knew when they were a child, or you know something like that. Um, and the thing is, is like. I don't know that those dogs exist and it's probably not a very popular opinion, but certainly one that's coming in our field more and more is that we actually have to start producing dogs like that. Mm. Like we have to actually start Molly to produce Molly. dogs that work for families that like companion dogs. Right. Mm. Um, I mean, all of the dogs that we have, all of the breeds and types of dogs that we have so far have been selectively bred. Like none of them is a natural thing. Um, and they've, they, they've been selectively bred to fulfill particular roles. And a lot of those roles are not going to be available. Those outlets just aren't available to dogs um, mm. in pet homes. And I think we need to start seriously considering that. Mm. Um, most of the issues I see when we talk about people with behaviors of concern, they are not caused by, but certainly founded in great difficulties with meeting that dog's basic needs. Yeah, yeah. And modern dogs are different. The world is different and our mm-hmm. expectations of dogs are different. So, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, when people say, oh, well, when I was a kid, this is what dogs were doing and we never had any of this mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, yeah, but the world was a re- very different place and dogs were very different. Yeah, um, animal. I said that before. Like they were yeah. puppy from down feel, the road from you. They were right, up, they, exactly. They were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, like if we see the popularity of certain types of dogs, and I, I, um, sometimes I cringe when I see you know a person contacts and they say they have this type of dog and they're having this problem, and I'm going, oh my god, how mm. are we going to provide for this animal's needs so that it it's going you know that we're going to be able to develop a relationship here that works for the people and the the uh the the, the dog you know mm-hmm. this can there can be real challenges you know particularly um in relation to modern life so like that's why this phase this kind of consideration phase or when you're just kind of beginning to think about well maybe a do- this is the right time for me to add a dog mm-hmm. to my life um when you're just at that point that this is the time to really start being realistic about it and not be swayed by a sob story or, or a, a cute puppy or a, a film or a, a childhood dog or something like that. And mm. I know this it's is really, really, really difficult. It's mm. really difficult. Um, and I, I totally get that. But we have to be realistic about it because the consequences are dire if, mm. uh, when we're not. Um, and we're really seeing that now. Um, yeah. with, with a lot of adolescent dogs becoming unwanted or developing behaviours of concern that are really concerning, um, mm. I suppose, and are going to make life difficult for everybody. And it's okay to want a companion dog. It's okay to want to have a safe dog, a dog that you don't have to have military-style arrangements to be able to bring it, to go anywhere with them. You know, it's okay to want those things and it's okay yeah. to be honest and say... It's only natural to want them, yeah. Well, yeah, and I wish people, you know, because there is a kind of a romanticization of, you know, taking on a difficult dog, taking on a fearful dog. These are the yeah. dogs that are going to change you or do all these things for you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe that's not what you need right now. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a good thing that we want dogs... For whose needs we can actually provide yeah. you know the reality of that that's what that's what i would love to be able to to do with people is help them realistically gauge you know the needs that they can provide for yeah. and then we can fit a dog for that that's it then you can narrow narrow it down mm-hmm. like you know, yeah so. yeah and i'm not saying that you 
just that's not some magic button that means that you don't have to do anything with this dog. You still have a ton of stuff to do. Oh, yeah. You're not getting out of that easy. Um, yeah. There'll be still lots of stuff and you'll still have to do work with them. You'll still have to provide for their needs and you'll still have to do all of these things. Um, but, um, um, you know, we're, it's going to be an easier match to make. And actually, we're going to it's going to be better we're going to be better able to preserve welfare for everybody the welfare for the dog and welfare for the the humans as well yeah uh, and that's the goal i suppose all right okay <laughs> well here's an even better here's an even better question uh-huh. so how then do i choose where i get my puppy from oh my goodness um <laughs> so i suppose um there's a lot of contention when it comes to selecting where do you get your dog from or your puppy from yeah. there's a kind of a battle between whether you adopt or purchase a dog and really i don't care about that um because it's far more important then some ideology that we actually are choosing a dog that has been reared and supported in such a manner that's going to make sure that that dog is going to be able to survive in the human world um, Mm. without, you know, so if a dog is displaying behaviors of concern, this isn't just a hassle for humans. This Mm. is telling us that that dog's needs aren't being met. So Mm. when, when an animal's needs aren't being met, there's a welfare issue. The animal's welfare is suffering. So we're not making this animal's life better if we're just saying, oh, well, people just need to do this people just need to do that or that's just a hassle for people that's not what that's not what this is about at all so the Mm -hmm. first thing that i will will say is well how do you want your adult dog to live so if we're talking about pet dogs because that's what we're talking about here is companion dogs we're not necessarily talking about working dogs or Mm -hmm. other categories of dogs so if those animals are reared like livestock so if dogs are reared like livestock right and that could be and i know we hear all sorts of things about you know the sensationalized idea of puppy farms Um, Mm and but what i actually want you to think about is think about those conditions Mm -hmm. so if those conditions the ones that you know you have in your head if they involve you know social isolation Mm -hmm. living outside of a a family home Mm -hmm. um those are the conditions that are going to impact that dog and what that dog is going to be able to cope with Mm -hmm. at the next juncture of its life so when it goes to a new home And if that dog is living in conditions where there's relative social isolation, so they're not they're not being reared in a family home is what I'm saying. Mm. um, Well, then those dogs are going to have difficulty living in a family home. So I don't differentiate between breeder, rescue, whatever. Mm. I differentiate between the conditions under which the dogs are kept and cared for and reared. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to know about. I want to know about those sorts of things. And then I want to know about if it's an immature dog. So prior to behavior maturity i want to know about that dog's family so i want to know about um that dog's um relations if mm-hmm. that information isn't available because maybe we don't have history on a dog for example um mm-hmm. well then i want to be able to spend a lot of time learning about that dog's tendencies in a kind of in the setups the sorts of contexts in which i will likely live with that dog so mm-hmm. is that dog going to be able to walk in a lead is that dog going to be able to pass you know traffic or another dog mm-hmm. or or whatever the you know whatever the thing is depending on what your what your lifestyle is and what life you're going to be able to bring for that mm-hmm. dog um so you know so that's really what i want to know i want to know how has that dog been kept what have they been exposed to how are they dealing with those things um how are they reared where were they reared you know i see an absolute pattern between dogs that have lived like livestock regardless of you know so that you know socially depleted under enriched environments mm-hmm. um regardless of whatever label you put on them. And I see an absolute connection between those dogs and, and difficulty with coping in, you know, the world, um, you know. Mm. So really, by the time a dog gets to a pet owner, there needs to be minimum standards in place. There needs to be minimum care and support in place. And my ideal would be that every dog would be going, whether it's a puppy or whether we're talking about an adult or an adolescent or what, whatever we're talking about, that that dog is going, has had started an appropriate and structured program in place designed to facilitate welfare for that animal. So mm. if that dog is geared towards being a family companion, well, then we have to have stuff in place a particular level of enrichment in place so that that dog is going to be able to deal with that at a minimum so you know for example mm. with a puppy i want a puppy coming home that you know who, who is who's tolerant of confinement who's mm. comfortable with household noises who's showing a kind of a, subs- a substrate preference 
regarding mm. toilet training, mm-hmm. you know, who's um, who's able to tolerate being handled, who's able to tolerate wearing a lead and collar. Mm. Um, so, so like if if that was our standard for getting a puppy, well, all of these places that we don't like wouldn't have business. Yeah. You know, know, we wouldn't go, we wouldn't buy a car off a, a, a dealership or off a whatever, um, off a garage where mm. there wasn't, you know, the basics of, of mechanics in place to mm-hmm. make sure that this is a, a car that you can drive and and uh, and that is going to run for you. And I think they even give you half a tank of fuel, um, you know, when you're getting whatever the thing is, <laughs> or vouchers for fuel. I don't know about you, nowadays, yeah. Well, maybe not anymore, <laughs> the price of fuel. Jesus, um, yeah. But, you know, there are certain things that we expect when yeah. we make life-changing decisions. I mean, when you buy a car, you buy, you know, there's a significant investment and I don't want to equate living beings no, no, with, no, but, you yeah. know, inanimate know objects. It's not what I'm suggesting, mm. but I'm suggesting the decisions, the life decisions that we make about that. We choose cars based on the sort of lifestyle we have. We choose, you know, they're mm-hmm. a, usually a very big investment. We'll often have to take out a loan, which, you know, for years and years and years, so that's going to have an impact on our yeah. life over time. But people think a lot more about it, that decision. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to a dog, it might not be the same financial investment, you know, or might be, but it's usually it not or often not. Yeah, well, this is, this is the thing, right? <laughs> this is the actual, that's actually the, a good point that there is going, there is a financial issue, but I actually see a much broader issue that there really is significant welfare harms um, for, for that for that dog and for that family and you know i work with both i can't really separate the two even though my goal my role is as an advocate for the dog uh, but to, in order to fulfill that i have to have a standard of welfare for those people as well oh, yeah. um, so that they're going to be able to do that so you know i i would prefer that if somebody is 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 getting a dog whether they choose wherever they choose to get that dog from that there is a basic level of support and guidance in place so that that animal has some ability to cope the changing from one place to another is the most stressful thing for the the dog like it's it's absolutely life-shattering for them and the effects it has on them i don't think we've really fully well we haven't fully investigated at all uh, which is shocking because i see it as being such a a, a, an impactful um, period for that dog um, and possibly dictating how they're going to be able to deal with the world moving on yeah. uh, forever possibly mm-hmm. in some cases um and uh, and and I, I as you can tell i get slightly worked up about this mm-hmm. <laughs> um but like i feel that dogs should be going to their new home with a certain minimum standard of of support in place so that that animal has some skills to at least get started and that that human has some support so that they can continue to guide that dog um and i think if we were doing all of those things um, I think we would not have a big issue with unwanted dogs or as big an issue with un- as oh, like with I said there just dogs. wouldn't be their only reason why they keep doing it is because it's working and they're getting money for it so if we you know if we start uh, doing what you're just saying there and asking uh, you know asking for a specific standard then mm-hmm. they would either have to meet that standard or yeah. discontinue what they're and what that they're goes doing. for any sources for dogs i'm not just yeah. talking about puppy um oh yeah uh, somebody selling a puppy or somebody breeding a puppy or, or whatever it is but that has there has to be standards in place um yeah. in terms of guidance and support for dogs regardless of the source yeah okay cool well let's do something a little <laughs> bit more fun <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> okay so what stuff that wasn't fun was it not great uh, well <laughs> yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's fun. Fun in a way, I suppose. Yeah. No, yeah. but uh, this is a way more fun. So okay. stuff. Let's talk about stuff. So what stuff okay. should I buy then? Oh, my God. Everything. So my notes, <laughs> I, I was saying your house should look like the floor of a pet shop after a puppy party. And that's <laughs> well, what I say to dog owners. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I say to dog owners all the time. I'm like, your dog needs a lot of stuff whether it's a young dog or an adult dog or whatever. Now, bearing in mind that we do have to be careful here because I do have a dog product, particularly dog toy buying problem. Um, and, you know, I'm sure it's recognized in the psychology journals, but uh, mm. <laughs> um, it is a problem. And I, I say that I do it because obviously I need to professionally test all of these products and have an idea, of, you know, <laughs> What are the things? That's how that's that's my excuse. Yeah. And I stick into it. No, no, that's my it's my job. Yeah. Uh, so my dog does have a lot of stuff. 
um, because of my job, obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. And um, so a lot of stuff is what I'm going to say. They need a lot of things for them. So like, obviously there's, you know, the boring things like, you know, beds and stuff like that. But actually I'm talking about like toys and, and interactive things for them. They need a lot of things. And if you think you have enough things, you don't, you need more. Um, because, <laughs> and I don't work for any toy manufacturer, so I'm not like getting some sort of kickoff, kickback from this not or yet. anything like that. Not yeah. yet, maybe after this. <laughs> I just I'll start dropping in some names. I think you had Canine Connectables on, so yeah. I, can, I can say yeah. them. I can mention them. And I have a ton of their stuff, and you'll see loads of videos on the Our stuff page is great. Of my dog um, uh, interacting with them, and I've promoted them a ton through 100 Days and things like that as well. Yeah, Because yeah. uh, they're awesome, and they're Irish, so it's even better. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Get absolutely. on it, people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll be expecting more toys, Canine Connectables. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very easy to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm actually really careful about what I promote. So, of you know, course. I get only pro- And yeah. that's why I buy all the things, because I want to know if it's safe for me to say, uh, yeah, that's something that I would well, get yeah. and that's something that I would use. And I'm really lucky because I have a dog who's super interactive with things and will play and manipulate. And with, as well. Oh, my goodness. Uh, crazy. Like all of the things that say indestructible on the anything like that I used to joke and take photographs of him with them and them in smithereens I don't even do it anymore because I would need such a huge like amount of memory for all the photographs full portfolio the of them now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly but I have tons of those with like the ind- the indestructible label like you know in front of mm. the smithereens that are just didn't pass the Decker test though yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> nothing has passed the Decker test actually <laughs> really uh, nothing oh, yeah no I've not come across not had a toy yet that um he hasn't been able to take bits off or pull no, apart there's a challenge now yeah canine yeah. connectables and all these guys yeah well there. Come on. yeah I, I have to be very very careful and not leave that stuff with him um because yeah, yeah, even the yeah even the like so i'm really careful with things because i know that he will pull them apart and they shouldn't be left with him as a result so yeah. he has a ton of stuff for destroying which he does which is why he doesn't including any phone, of my head. phone books when they were around yep oh yeah absolutely in the good old days uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's why he's never chewed any any Thing belonging to me or a house or anything like that i mean yeah he, he's an office dog so yeah. i mean he's never destroyed anything because he's always had so many things but anyway that's aside from the point but um yeah you need lots of stuff and you need lots of stuff available to the dog all the time i'm always kind of mm-hmm. you know a little bit uh taken back when i walk in and the place is completely clean and it's like a model home and i'm going but you have a dog, right? Yeah, so yeah. There, there needs to be stuff and they need to have space where they have their stuff. So particularly if there's children, because dog toys and children's toys, there's a fine line <laughs> between them. Yeah. Um, and to children and to dogs, you know, they, they would be, you know, absolutely fine in mistaking, you know, the dog's toy for one of theirs or the child's toy for one of theirs. Um, that would be a totally easy thing to do so that a dogs need a place for their stuff. So I tend to recommend that you have a confinement area for your dog and I mm-hmm. tend to recommend pens. Mm-hmm. And I like to do confinement training with almost all dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not a priority and we don't have to do it, but if all of the things are equal and we were just, you know, what are the ideal things to do? Well, teach them how to tolerate confinement mm-hmm. because, and it's, so people go, oh yeah, okay, well, I just put him into the crate but then he cried all the time. And I'm like, well, then they weren't teaching him. You were just, you know, exposing him to something that was terribly distressing, yeah. clearly. Um, so we actually have to teach them and build up their their ability to tolerate being confined yeah. um, and, and, and not only tolerate it, but actually enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. having their own little space, like having like their own little bedroom that they can go into and that they we have convinced them that we never disturb them there we never take stuff away from them there it's a nice place for them to go and escape from the hoover and all of the other things and they can just be um and i think that's an invaluable skill because it helps us it sets up so many things for new dogs including toilet training and nighttime stuff and yeah and 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 helping with some alone stuff and Mm -hmm all sorts of frustration tolerance and all sorts of things. And also yeah. just in terms of preventing them making mistakes like chewing your skirting boards and yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. So, I like to have a nice confinement area and the confinement area will depend on what that looks like. It'll depend on the setup in the house. It'll depend on the dog. But I like a good exercise pen mm-hmm. and one that you can kind of adjust the side so it's usually made up of like panels yeah. and a nice area for that to be in where the dog can still be exposed to all of life, mm. family life, but isn't in, you know, the absolute yeah, main thoroughfare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the dog learns to really like spending time there and chilling out there and calming themselves down there and have all their gear there. And then when it comes to, you know, toys and stuff like that, I buy, I, I think I've, I've split, I go into the pet shop and I split the toys up into categories and then I go, well, what, 
not so much what is the toy made of, but more so what would the dog get out of this? So yeah, yeah. one of the things that we do a, a play workshop and one of the things I give them is I give them from my own dog's collection, of course, I give them a toy, which is a traditional dog toy. And then I give them another random item and -hmm. I want them to start thinking about, well, what are the sort of behaviors that the animal would actually do to interact with this? Or what Mm -hmm. are the possibilities? And then I want dogs to have toys that facilitate a huge range of behaviors. So they have a broad um, kind of range of uh, within their behavior repertoire, which is of course what enrichment is. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of the things they can do with all of these items, which is why, again, you know why I obviously have so many things um, and so many toys and things like that. And I showed you the photographs of like all the toys he has. It would make your eyes sting. Uh, it's terrible. It's criminal, <laughs> but I can't stop it. I need to do it. <laughs> uh, but I convince myself that it's about enrichment and like that's kind of my thing. So I have to do this. Um, so so it's about having all of that stuff. And one of a great puppy hack is what I call an activity box. So the dog, there's a kind oh, of a, yeah. a cardboard box and it doesn't matter if the dog chews it or destroys it because he cares it's a cardboard box. So we get mm-hmm. another one. And every day we put different items in there. Now it can be the same items just rotated mm-hmm. um you know so every day there's something and rotation in different combinations so there's a toy there might be a food toy there might be a t- cardboard toilet roll there mm-hmm. might be i don't know whatever some crushed crushed up uh, newspaper or mm-hmm. you know a, a, just a combination of things and every day the dog has something and if they can destroy the whole thing and it's somewhere that we can redirect them to should they need you know should they be looking for mischief and, and we want to give them something else to do a more appropriate outlet to do but i always love having those sorts of things available um for dogs and what you will start to see is is that when dogs when we kind of redirect them when, when you know they're showing behavior that dictates uh, that they have some need that they need fulfilled and we direct them to this kind of range of items that they have access to that are for them and um, mm-hmm. they will start to learn to pick out things that fulfill that need for them um so when they're excited or when they're round up or when they need you know to chew something or whatever it is they will learn to be able to go and seek those things out and, and do that and provide themselves with an outlet for it um so it's like self-therapy almost yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're learning to do that and we, we do that by making it available so my dog always has things to hold in his mouth, things to chew, things to tear up, things to, you know, chase, always has available has a range of those available to him and I rotate them regularly. Um so that he always has an outlet for his behaviour. Because even at ten, he is still doing these things. Yeah. So it goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well you you mentioned um a pen there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, um what about other things? Like how should people set up their home before their puppy arrives other than say a pen yeah so well that's a part of it but Mm -hmm. also consider what do you want to do and if it's a new dog coming in whether it's a puppy or an adult dog or you know whatever age i tend to start with just giving them very little access to the house because you know i'm just going to slowly gradually give them more slices of of freedom and and areas for them to explore you know they don't need to see everything right now so if they just have access to the living area for right now that will be training as well right exactly it helps with toilet training helps with managing all of the various things and it just allows them to find their feet and to gain kind of comfort in one place before them being overwhelmed by you know having to take in all of the world around them and and kind of process all of that because there's a lot happening for them Mm. um so really really small limited you know range of places and obviously things like these and collars and um food and (laughs) all of those things um you know and and comfortable beds and obviously be careful with you know not investing massively in beds because you might not know (laughs) how into chewing up beds your dog is yeah. and, uh, and you might not know for quite some time so I would be you know I would go easy on on the very expensive things and again the dog's behavior is information so if they are tearing up a load of stuff that tells us that they need access to, to that. that so we have mm-hmm. to provide them things to tear up so you probably don't want to be doing that with like expensive bedding and you know pretty things at this yeah. stage yeah. Uh, no. until we have more of an idea of you know what their tendencies are and how we can give them um more appropriate outlets and what works for them and things like that so you know i don't think you can ever go wrong with like good proper vet bed um yeah. you know yeah. and buying sheets of that and having that and okay they might tear it a little bit uh, mm. ikea blankets are like 
the most amazing perfect dog things right so for yeah. everything so like the ikea blankets like they're two or three euro yeah. um each you know they don't have to be the really nice ones no. <laughs> and yeah. they go into the washing machine really easy they wash really well so you know so if there's accidents or things spilled on them or just you know dog derped on them um yeah. because dogs yeah. you know can be filthy and just you know yeah. um and all of that kind of stuff so they're really a really good way of doing about it so i don't kind of invest in anything until i'm really sure of you know of what the dog's gonna be like and what i will say about decker is yeah you choose everything but he's never chewed anything like that because he's always had so much other stuff so much and so he's he still has i'm actually looking at pieces of vet bed he has since he was i first got him like nine half years ago maybe wow. 10 years ago uh, and i still have them here and that's how good like vet bed is really yeah, yeah no, is. it's, it's just, great we, we and, give it out with our pups as mm-hmm. well and yeah it lasts, yeah it lasts for like forever for yeah. yeah yeah like it's been washed ten thousand times and it's still like yeah fine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so he's like so so that's really important get them into really good habits early on um and uh i like to make sure that again we just have loads of stuff for them yeah know, <laughs> and for us obviously so. obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're in this too <laughs> okay so right so so to finish up then if you could summarize i suppose what are the most important things then to consider before puppy arrives then so I suppose the first thing then is, I guess what we've talked a lot about is get that objective advice mm-hmm. early on um, and be prepared to have your expectations dashed a little bit, that the right advice that's being objective will probably burst some of your bubbles for you. So yeah. I think that's a really good thing to do. And I think don't be swayed by, you know, social media and those sorts of expectations and sub stories or, you know, cute faces. And I mean, like, I'm a total sucker for all of those things. So, you know, oh my Mm. God, self-control is, you know, an enemy. Uh, It's so difficult (laughs) Mm. because I want all of those things. Um, But at the same time, uh, it's fine to fantasize about that, but actually living it is a very different thing. And we have to remember that, again, all of this fun stuff is actually quite serious because the implications Mm. are very serious for that individual dog who has no choice in any of this. So we're talking all about how humans make decisions and how humans make choices. And at that same time, the puppy or the dog doesn't know about it until it happens to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're just reeling and our expectations are so high that we can't understand why they're reeling from that. Um, So, you know, we have to remember that at the core of this, there is an individual who is going to be gravely affected by every tiny decision and choice we make. Um, And when they have none, they have no say in it. Don't get to decide anything. Who takes them home? What their life is going to be like? What they're going to get to do? Where they were bred or reared or produced or uh lived or anything like that so mm. that's at the, the center of all of this is this innocent individual who has no say in any of it and obviously mm. you know you have to consider the all the financial things um yeah. i mean that's a real a realistic issue you know mm-hmm. um and i don't want to deny anybody a dog because i don't feel that dogs should be or pets should be considered luxury items mm. uh, or lux- not items items is a terrible word but um in that category i suppose yeah. that you would only get it you know get something mm. when you're in that privileged position yeah, to get yeah, them, yeah. to get the, whatever the thing is mm. um and i mean dogs are for many people are a vital source of um all sorts of stuff and mm-hmm. uh, and our people are absolutely for absolute majority of pet owners uh, the majority of people who want a dog or get a dog are only interested in making sure that they they provide the best life for that animal yeah, like sure. you know that's overwhelmingly that's the the, the state of play and mm. um, but at the same time dogs are expensive and it's becoming more expensive yeah. as everything is yeah. um especially here yes <laughs> well, yeah everywhere yeah yeah but yeah no it is very expensive to do all of these things and i i'm, I'm saying you know get all the stuff as if you know people are made of money and i, mm. I absolutely understand that which again is why i'm testing all this stuff out so i can you know guide you towards the best things yeah. i'm gonna keep hammering and that point home as we, we <laughs> talked about in the previous episode yeah. your your 100 days of enrichment yes. um, is an amazing resource and mm-hmm. you, free you know, always free yeah and it's not always you don't need to get a lot of the stuff in actual pet shops as well like mm-hmm. you just mentioned ikea yeah. blankets and stuff there's loads of stuff out yeah. there yeah yeah that you can get for a lot cheaper and mm-hmm. the dog doesn't care yeah. if it's a 
if it's uh, you know a Kong toy oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't care if it's branded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So um, you can you can totally do it with less money if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know because money is always concerned, and particularly now it is, we have to think about well, what do we really need? And I think pet insurance is a a really good investment um, for most dogs. I know there are some dogs where it just doesn't work out that way. Mm. Um, a, a lot of vets run a kind of a monthly. Um, kind of contributing kind of account that you yeah. can keep so that you have a, you know you can bank a, a lot of stuff mm. yeah uh, or you run an account like that for yourself that every month or every paycheck or whatever where you decide to do it that you put a little bit of money aside um for that and i was just looking at my um pet insurance is up for renewal this year and it's gone up because of his age and we had mm. uh, a busy year last year with things and mm. it's cost uh, you know i think what I've paid in over the last nine and a half years, I've had them nearly 10 years now, uh, 10 years next month. Um, mm. So, and I've had 10, I've had pet insurance since the day he um, came home. Okay. Um, but, well, he was bred in Sweden. So by law, they have to have pet insurance from the mm-hmm. time they're born. So he had pet insurance in Sweden until the day he left and it had to be picked up. It was a requirement for the, from the yeah. breeder that it, it had to, he had to have an insurance policy in place for literally when that one went out, there had to be a new one. And we've just kept it forever. Mm. Um, and we had no claims until like, 2021 or no 2020 like 2020 Mm. was the first time we ever made claims but in that time since then they have paid me um i think twice or maybe three times what i've paid in Mm. in terms of the premium each year um and that's got to do with his age you know because there's um uh, you know the it costs more expensive. It's more becomes more expensive as they get older. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and of course, he's only had claims really in the last year when he was mm. older. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, you but know, that's when you're sense. more likely to get them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm keeping the insurance because it's very difficult to get an older dog insured. So you, you keep yeah, it on. You, know, you, you can know. get it when they're older, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can afford that, it's a good. It can be a good investment. Even you know, do the do the maths, but it can be a good investment to do, particularly as the price of veterinary medicine continues to increase as we. We get better at treating dogs so i'm mm-hmm. not slating the price of veterinary medicine i very much appreciate the excellent care his vets give him yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but it, it is expensive and it is expensive because it's better i mean that's why it's better mm-hmm. and it's more advanced and it's more complex and all those sorts of things um so you know that costs um course, and it yeah. costs them um to do those things so um you know so that can be a good idea or at least talking to your vet and talking about those sorts of accounts that they do those kind of programs that they do to help you spread the cost i suppose um a little bit easier which is very relevant and yeah and just think of the monthly costs you know in terms of food and all of the, the various monthly things, the everyday mm-hmm. stuff Poo that bags. you need to do. <laughs> bags, yeah. um, hiring a professional, because I, I, I don't think we would consider having a child without some sort of educational support in place. Yeah. And it's exactly the same for a dog. And mm-hmm. I know that might sound like a, you know, a bias for me, mm-hmm. um, given that's my job, but it would be so much easier if we were doing stuff from the beginning with people and then yeah, you don't have to pay out the big bucks for mm. the more serious stuff later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, an investment again, and you want to think about those sorts of things. And of course, the cost of that is going up and I'm not making any excuses, but mm. the cost of that goes up because um, as costs in general um, increase, so do, so do our professional costs yeah, as well. Yeah, of course, just like anything. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I think, I know we don't like talking about finances, but I think that is a realistic thing to consider. Yeah. Particularly how the world is at the moment and as we creep towards a uh, recession, which is what it's looking like more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a thing that we need to start to consider very realistically. Um, you know, and of course, cost and finances is often a reason for dogs becoming relinquished because the person is losing their home oh, or yeah. there's a vet bill mm-hmm. or um, they're they're just not able to cover the costs. You know, and it's a decision between feeding their children or feeding, heating their home and feeding the dog. Well, that's, you know, an absolutely awful position to yeah, be in yeah. um, and a terrible situation for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are those are absolutely realistic things that we need to consider. Yeah. Um, aside from everything else mm-hmm. my goodness is a list <laughs> <laughs> no but that's that's a, that's a great one i mean that was there, there was so much in that for everybody to to uh to digest i think that's that's really really cool and what we want to do uh, next episode hopefully mm-hmm. is like so puppy is kind of home so yeah now what do we do uh-huh. kind of thing so yeah <laughs> so that'll be fun <laughs> that'll be fun so so thanks cool. a million that was that thank was, you that was really really cool and uh, we'll see you back here again very shortly yeah brilliant thanks a million talk awesome. to you soon thanks Anne.
Thanks again so much for listening today, guys. And as always, thank you so much for all of the positive feedback and your suggestions. If you enjoy the show, remember to please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review and recommend it to all of your friends and family to help us reach and help more people and their dogs. Also, please give us a follow on Twitter at BarksidePod and also on Instagram at BarksidePod to help grow our online community. If there are topics you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please do share those with us on social media or simply mail us at BarksidePod at gmail.com and we will do our very best to cover those in future episodes. Look after yourselves and your doggies. Thanks again for joining us and we will look forward to seeing you here again real, real soon.